0: Sorry? Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJK Conveyor. Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Navas. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast and we overanalyse episodes of the Australian soap opera. Neighbours, we are watching at Aussie pace. That's the hip way to describe it. There's UK pace and Aussie pace. We are three weeks ahead because of bullshit reasons. Channel 5 is not answering to. It's not good enough. We need some joy during this pandemic. I am Vaya. I'm in Melbourne's Mobile Pirate Net Studios. Connecting via the Hive outside podcasting kit with CJ, the hot mess mum, Catherine Jones. Hello. I think mobile is the apt word. Should you explain to people what we're doing right now? Yes. So in Melbourne, Australia, we have an extra little bonus in our easing of restrictions this week, COVID restrictions. And we are now allowed to gather in groups of five outdoors, but those people can only be from two separate households. So, therefore, we can't podcast with Kate in person. And we like to podcast in person because it's got good vibes. Unless we move in together, which is still an option. Yeah, look, you know. That is like a sitcom, the three of us living together. Stranger things have happened in this pandemic. Yeah. There have been breakups. There have been babies, you know. Like, why not just have a pod share house, an artist's colony? Oh, yes. We can move in at the hype. See, and so we're outdoors. So, we're kind of like, you know the little – um caravan that was out the front of the backpackers. I'm not sure what Ned's doing with that these days. Is that the smacky caravan? Yeah. No, not that one. He just sort of had, he had one time when he sort of started, not Ned, I think it was at Harlow's birthday party or, or that birthday when the drugs were oh. there. Yeah, it's just a bit of a, a bit of decor in the background. Oh, I think we thought maybe it's time for um, Summer Bay. That people was going to show up with her caravans, yeah. Yeah. So I'm parked in my car and CJ's parked in her car and we are side by side because we can have a gathering of two people. But last time we tried that, I got eaten alive by mosquitoes. Mm. So now we're in the hub, the safety of our vehicles. And it's good sound booth system. Yes. And on television shows, you see that they've got um, glass up between the very important celebrities. <laughs> yes. And we have our windows half up. Yeah. Because we're very important. Yeah, we're shielding ourselves from each other. And I reminded Vaya that you're allowed to take your mask off when you're broadcasting. Yep. Look, there has not been a single podcast that's been like the other in the last six months of our episodes. No. They have all been little unicorns, different in their own special way. Yeah, and it's weird how they happen to begin with, really. We like recording in person, so we've always done. There are a lot of podcasts around the world that have never recorded in person, but that's our vibe. So... It's nice. It's a beautiful spring afternoon in Melbourne. Hay fever season. It's lovely. It's actually weather akin to the, that there would be on Neighbours. Yeah, perfect. This is the kind of weather Roxy get her half top out. Or Aaron will get his hot pants out. Oh, very apt. <clears throat> I'm beside myself to talk about these episodes coming up. Neighbours Council business. The business again. Huge edition of business, CJ, because... Something happened at patreon.com dot com slash At least a hundred individual things happened. Oh, the other morning I was just waking up, and something was happening in the UK because all of our, some of our regulars, Neighbours friends, just jumped on over to Patreon and all signed up at once, and it was a flurry of activity. It's it's very lovely. We're so grateful. We've hit 100. We're at 101 now. 101. Dalmatians, which means, I'll talk about what that means in a moment, but I've got to thank Katie, Becky, Rachel, Kate, Sarah slash Paul, because they are always a unit, Sarah and Paul. Sally, lucky number 100, mm. mystery shopper, and Sarah took us over the line, which means that we can plan a virtual Neighbours Night. This is amazing. And so we are going to get to planning and obviously we're not going to have it tomorrow because we want it to be amazing and jam-packed full of fun things for everyone. Um, but we'll start planning and I guess we're going to let people in on some info when they listen to the pod. Yes, and we'll keep the patrons notified because patrons will get automatic entry into this event. Yeah, I mean I've tried to put the hard marketing word on Faya, trying to get her to charge everyone, but she she is there for you guys. Yeah, it's like Paul and Harlow trying to have a conversation with me and CJ. So, we'll figure out what it's going to involve how much trivia, how much interviewing, how much shenanigans. How many times we'll let Kate have a plant rant? Yes. As many times as anyone wants. Why not? She can just have a whole side project where it's just her and botany. <laughs> I am thrilled. And I've got to get sorted with my bum cake photo shoot. I've got to. It's very tricky in Melbourne. You can't have people in your home. And I don't trust my partner taking this photo. I mean, Ned took it himself with a ring light, I think. Yeah, look, yes, I have now, there is, there might be a way I can do it remotely with a friend of mine who's a photographer, but we're figuring it out. That's amazing. To think of where the world's come that you can take bum cake <laughs> photos remotely. <laughs> we're in the future. This is beyond 2000. Who used to host that show? No idea. But my mate Tom, my, um, my muse, as Yashvi got referred to this week, mm. he's happy. He's happy to roll it out whenever it's ready. He obviously went to the Paul Robinson School of Marketing, and he knows how powerful a launch is. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want a. He doesn't want no soft launch. No, no. he'll get some influencers involved. Yeah. So that's all wonderful, and um, there's also some people on Twitter that are trying to campaign for us, you, me, and Kate, CJ, to be like cameos on Neighbours in the Hive, on the Hive set, like touring the podcasting studio. I like. I couldn't put my annual leave in slip. Faster. That's very exciting. Yep, I'll be expressing the breast milk to leave the baby at home. So I think it was Matthew that started it. Perfect blend and Olivia got involved. I mean, it would be be the ultimate nod to like super Neighbours fans, wouldn't it? If they knew who we were. Yes. Neighbours, Mm. could you wait till hairdressers are open? They've got their own hairdressers on site, mate. If they're happy to give us a little spit and polish. Can they bleach? No, 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 no. Unicorn Mains by Mikey. I can't have just anyone touching my hair. I can have anyone touching my hair. Sorry, Sammy, but you're in Queensland. (laughs) Um, Matthew Rimmer says that the three of us should get a recurring gig as a trio who hire out the podcast studio and just enter and exit in the background of the Ned in the shed scenes. I mean, I need this to hurry up, neighbours, because I don't know how long Ned can run a business. No, I'm really – yeah, it's really worried that whatever they're filming right now is a completely different setting. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Paul, if Ned – goes under, Paul would have to run it and we can't afford whatever Paul will charge. Ned should never run anything on his own. He should always be a team, part of a team. Yes, yes. Which reminds me this week, a lovely moment that um, Paul and um, Therese and Roxy go to help him set up. Yeah. That's, that's what Ned needs in his life. Where were they? We'll get to it. What was that? Yeah, we'll get to it. Apparently a very expensive temporary fence company. And did you see a canopy? I didn't see a canopy. No, I saw alcohol. Well, that's where the $4,000 worth of catering went. Inappropriate to not have food with alcohol. Mm. This is business. It's not personal. So much to get stuck into. As always, we save one storyline to talk about with our patrons. This week, that storyline's going to be the awkward city limits dinner party between the four most unlikely people to sit at a dinner table together, Pierce, Chloe and Dippy and Shane Rebecca. You know, it only would have been more inappropriate if, like, you know, Yashfi was home. <laughs> and Nellie and Hugo pulled up a pew. Oh, gosh. They could have had those nuggets, Rose, left there. <laughs> I need to, let's jump into this week. Where, like, where do you even begin? So, Monday, okay. I am, I said a couple of weeks back that I can't believe the writers were able to write with the hindsight comedy. And, and they just knew we needed this. Like, I assume, you know, there's, there's, there's crap stuff happening all over the world and anyone who gets to watch those two episodes of Neighbours or even any of the hoarding stuff last week, it's joyous. Rodie, Rose and Toadie. Rose is Lucy Durack's character. She was the PA, but as she says, then she was dodgy. So he had to fire her. Yeah. She's self-evolved. And now Toddy doesn't want her to take this awful settlement from her husband because he knows he's got all these offshore accounts and he's, he's stooging his wife. Hmm. The mother of his children. Yeah. And Mackenzie is a bleeding heart and she keeps trying to drop hints to Rose, like you can't take this deal. And Toadie's like, what are you doing, kid? Like you can't be breaching our confidentiality here. And then Mackenzie just tries to talk sense into Toadie and he goes, well, you actually you make a good point, teenager. Uh, and so therefore I will compromise my ethics and sing like a canary. What I love the most is that Toadie... It's like, no, no, we're very ethical here at Rebecca Law. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mackenzie says, nah, you're not. And he says, you're right. Mackenzie thinks she's volunteering at Legal Aid or something. She does. She believes she's a human rights lawyer. Yeah. Which, like, it's viable for her to go. Like, she should go and talk to Legal Aid and maybe sit in there. Yeah, she should go, like, work at the Pride organisation or something. Do some, like, pro bono lawyer helping there. Now, Rose is so grateful that Toddy has helped her out. He's not only got her a job after he fired her, but he's given her the heads up about the husband, so she's going to go in for more money. I'm so grateful, Toddy, but I am broke, so I will make you dinner. Yep. A very frugal dinner at that. I saw some spag bol. I saw some pasta on the boil. Yeah. She's a mum of a couple of kids. Yeah. She knows how to make nuggets and spag bol. Very insensitive of Toadie not to tell a skint woman that she doesn't need to cook for additional children that won't be there. By the way, yeah, she went and purchased food. Yeah, by the way, lots, lots. There of There were so many nuggets in that container. Yeah, like I'm still thinking about it, and I haven't seen it for like five <laughs> days. It was a hefty amount. I reckon she went down to KFC on one of those. You know, um, sorry, UK listeners, you might have the same ad. I'm not sure. Um, there's a ad at KFC where they just have the tagline take my money? Yeah. I reckon she went down to like the, you know, 50 nuggets for $4 deal day or whatever they have down there. And she's the mother of teenage boys. So she knows you can't be coming home with six nuggets. Yeah. But little baby Hugo doesn't need nah. 45 nuggets. Um, the reason the kids are not there when this dinner happens is because Susan Kennedy comes into her own and she gets wind of the fact that Rose is going to make Toadie an intimate dinner. So she busy and makes it a childless dinner to start off with. Then she runs into Rose down the shops. By the way, did Rose buy something at, the, at that shop? Because that's not what you should be doing if you're frugal. Well, yeah. No, you can't be spending $12 on a packet of pasta from Dippy. No. I mean, I would, but not her. Also, she said she prepped a lot of the ingredients at home, but she didn't boil the pasta at home, which I thought did not make logistical sense. Hmm. But anyway, she's a hot mess, Rose. We know that. Yeah, yeah. I feel a lot with her. <laughs> she puts her foot in it with Rose. She says, firstly, she said to Toadie, look, I think this woman wants to take you out on a date. And Toadie's like, no, 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 no. And then she presses it with Rose and says, oh, so you're, you're, you're dating my pseudo son. And Rose shuts it down instantly. Laughs it off even. She's like, he's a toadfish. And he puts on aftershave, which you shouldn't ask someone if they're wearing aftershave, by the way, Rose. No. I know she's been out of the dating game a while. Yeah. You should just maybe say, oh, what's that?" That's the lovely scent. Oh, I love the smell. Is that sandalwood? Sandalwood. Toady gets all jittery because he does have a thing for her because she's just a wonderful bright spark. But he bumbles through it. She's like, "Where are the kids?" He's like, "Oh, my neighbour's got the kids because they thought this this is a date." He says it's a regular thing, which I thought was actually a little bit of a hark to COVID <gasps> because. You're allowed to use babysitting if it's a regular thing. Yeah, they're part of the bubble. Yeah, so they're in a bubble. They're in the Kennedy bubble. But he straight away lays it all out on the line and says, look, they, th- they thought it was a date. And is like, yeah, they said that to me. That's weird because I'm not dating people. I'm not dating you. I just suddenly thought of Ange up in Colac. That's been a cluster up there. <laughs> oh, no. Big Kev is probably in trouble. I do not trust the sanitization system in place at her roadhouse. No, and did you hear what caused the cluster? No. We'll have to get back to it, but apparently there was a swingers' party with older, older folk. I mean, the Kolakians are living their best lives. More power to Put them. Put some keys in the bowl. Stony would have been there. Hunge, <laughs> yeah. hunge percent. Stony. Maybe that's what's going on with um, Ange and Big, Big Kev all this time. That's what keeping it alive for them. Uh, that's why none of those Rebeccas came to Shane's aid. They've got no idea what's going on. Their keys are <laughs> in the don't. bowl. They are none the wiser. None, no idea. Rose, the I love this. I loved this. Was so charming the way it played out because she didn't balk at the fact that Toddy considered her a dating prospect. She's like, "Well, do you want it to be a date? Because that'd be okay." Yeah. And so they proceed to have a little date. They have a lovely little at-home date. Very um, look, it's very appropriate for a divorcee and a widower to have a low-key date like yeah. that. I thought that was very good. I did wonder where the rest of the Rebeccas were hiding. So we've got the little ones over at the Kennedys. Yashvi night shift, presumably. Where's Puffy? Where's Dippy? I mean, Puffy's probably meeting someone on the street for some drugs. <laughs> he's he's walking the streets trying to uh, avoid temptation. Yeah. Part of me thought, liked to imagine, that maybe it was a crossover with the last week's episodes where Dippy was staying at Lasseter's. And instead of this playing out a few days later, this is like parallel timing. How inappropriate. Your brother is... Thinking about taking drugs. And he's struggling through that. He's going to meetings. He's talking to his sponsor. you assume now Therese is his sponsor. Yep. Um, I mean, she does not have the time. Therese, please put someone else on that. Ah. <laughs> um, Dippy's gone. Their marriage is in tatters. And Toadie's like, look, I've got a girl coming over. Yeah, we've going to have a <laughs> bowl. So, very pleasant evening was had. Now, Tony lets Susan feel bad about her assumption that they're on a date and then he just says oh well we're going on another date and you can see him dusting that stuff off his shoulders he's like eh, the old toadfish has still got it and i even pretended to rose that it was completely my mistake it was your mistake well, yeah. well in that case then i guess i should cancel our second date what but- second rose assured us this was just a friendly dinner It may have started that way, but I guess I'm just too irresistible to be stuck in the friend zone. Well, I think it's wonderful. (laughs) Susan is so plugged into this scenario that she switches gears instantly from mortified to elated that this has worked out the way she hoped. Imagine if you were her, though. Like, you have... All this stuff has happened in her life. I can't even believe she's still standing. Let alone... She's had a worse 2020 than most of us. She's had a terrible time. Like, she... Doesn't even know about COVID because of all the other shit that's happened. Imagine if you survived Bum Island and you survived being taken hostage by Milzy, and then COVID happened. And you're like, you know what? I have post-traumatic stress disorder. And I want to do a puzzle and get over-invested in my friend's love life. Yeah. And I feel like that is her self-care. Yeah. I'm all for her. And her husband's running around buying tins of stuff. Yeah. With another woman. <laughs> Yeah, but it's innocent. It's wholesome. It is wholesome. I won't have anyone tarnishing that relationship. And then Carl, meanwhile, is livid because the neighbours are painting the town red over at number 32. Yeah. Now, when you say neighbours, tell me about this house. Oh, okay. Just before we lunge into that house, into the next night where Susan and Toddy are celebrating about a lovely, lovely evening. And they do a little happy dance. They do. I'm never happier than when Susan Kennedy is happy. Yeah. She felt joy and I felt joy. And they did a little happy dance. And I, in six years of doing this podcast, have never been able to figure out how to make a GIF. I love GIFs. I use them every day. But it was beyond me. I was like, this is young people stuff. I, I cannot do this. And I saw that little happy dance. And then I saw the scene that came next. And I was like... This needs to be a GIF and I will stay up till all hours to figure out how to do this. And I worked it out. And if you go on Twitter and you do a search in the GIF bar and type in Neighbours, my GIFs are there now. I wonder when it's going to come to other platforms so I can see it. Um, Facebook's yeah, a bit trickier, but I'll just send you the direct link and you yeah. can share yeah I them. think if you post it, then it's there. Yeah. Yeah. The little happy shoulder shimmy while Carl is scowling in between them because he's angry about the music, the, the racket from next door exquisite rolling right into the party over the road it was all just so on point it came alive that bernacca house because um you know we were worried Emmett was worried that there's only one of them that's the fun one and even that was questionable lately it didn't matter because they went and got another person that's even more fun because it's a queer household now you've got three gay people living together and it is the most sensational house on the street now yeah and you know why it's a house of friendship nicolette's not interested in them they're not interested in nicolette sexually they're just there for each other and it's really great because um darren are thinking about becoming parents again so what a what a great person to have around a nurse it'll be three four years before that kid can get on a roof so handy now we have moved location because hashtag as a busy mother i didn't budget my time appropriately and baby dr carl Woke up at home and I had to go home to feed him. So we had to change locations. But it was what a lovely evening in the park it was, CJ. It was great. Really, if we can only record four minutes of the podcast together, I'm for that. <laughs> no, but we didn't. We recorded like 20 minutes. Yeah. It was a delight. One more favourite thing is to come. And I didn't want to rush this in the park. No, neighbors is giving us gifts, and we need to receive them. Gifts we're not worthy of. Like these are wonderful gifts. They're gifts that you made gifts out of. <laughs> oh, there is okay. So this house that I mentioned before, my new favorite share house on the street, come out of the blue, out of nowhere. Nicolette spunking in with Darren and Darren, David and Aaron, because it was a hot mess situation. Her crush fell apart at her job in the. Castle Grace on. So she's just kipping in with them until she finds something more permanent. She's going on some sharehouse interviews and, you know, her mom, Jane Harris, is like, well, maybe we could, you know, you'd live near me and you should stay on Ramsey Street. She's like, too late, got to move on, got to get out of here. But in the meantime, she's been a great pal to David and Aaron because they, all that they want is another baby. All that she wants is another baby. baby. And Nicolette being in the health field, you know, she's met. Someone that's acted as a surrogate. So she has a friend that has had babies, had, sorry, a baby for another group of friends. And so nobody mentions this, but I guess I'm sort of feeling like this friend is also gay, has had a, you know, that she's a surrogate that has experience with gay couples, maybe. Yeah. So this surrogate, Nicolette thinks could be a great sounding board, give some inside information to Darren and. They don't – I think they're not that keen on that being what it is either. I think they want more than information. I feel like they got enough of out of that pamphlet. (laughs) They're like, look, we read the pamphlet, (laughs) so we know you need to get an egg. (laughs) So do you think they were going to proposition this Erin lady? No, I mean after the meeting, which we, we can talk about it later, but after the meeting they said, oh, she didn't really tell us anything we haven't heard so, I guess she sat him down, talked about the birds and the bees, and. Just find another lady that's not me and ask her to be your baby mama. Hmm. And what basically the main point that comes across is that um, it is reiterated that it is illegal to pay someone to be your surrogate in Australia. Yes. But David and Aaron, are, they've Googled, hmm. they've read a few pamphlets, and they know you can pay people overseas. Yeah. So, they know that their family's got money and, um, you know, so they're going to do that. Apparently Canada, I love that they picked a country that's completely, um, you know, very politically everyone loves them. They just went with Canada's lovely, everyone there's nice and polite, <laughs> like, you know. And now Paul's still back a few pages. He hasn't caught up to the fact that you can't pay someone locally to sort this out for them. As Paul says, everything has a price. And everything is for sale. And I think he's probably right because I think while it is illegal, I'm sure that there is some money changing hands somewhere. Or like things, like cars maybe. I don't know. He is ready to hire a uterus and he's ready to give Nicolette a finder's fee if she can locate one. I mean, I don't know. Being pregnant is pretty difficult. I don't know. I mean, obviously it's not that common, but. Well, the odd unicorn mama is like, oh, I, I just love being pregnant. I'm glowing and it feels really natural and I connect and with my body and, you know, I want to slap them, but they're out there, these lovely earth mothers. I, look, to be honest, I loved being pregnant and I even loved having being, doing the birth thing, but I wouldn't really do it for someone else. I loved having people carry stuff for me. That was a great perk. It's like, oh, I'll get that. Yeah, thanks. Mm. Well, I feel, I feel with Paul's money, you could probably just pay people for that. <laughs> so, Paul goes around to the Brennaker house to have a little chit chat with Nicolette, mm. put his offer on the table. And look, to be honest, these two have never really got along because when they met, he was like, "I'm your mother's best friend," and she was like, "Sorry, who?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody says that to Paul. What I loved is that. Typically, Paul goes and puts his harebrained scheme to someone, opens up his checkbook, and then everything starts to derail. This time, he puts it forward and off he goes, ready to, you know, put his feet up and have a cuppa. And Nicolette is like, uh, record scratch. This is not a normal conversation. I might raise this with the housemates before I um, pack up and move on to another share house. And they're a bit down in the dumps. That You know, they don't want to pursue this baby thing while their sister's loss is still raw. So she's going to cheer them up with some dinner and drinks. And while they crack cracking open the wines, uh, she says, your dad's a weird unit. <laughs> <laughs> As he is. Because you never guess what he asked me. Uh, he wants to buy some surrogacy for you guys. Yeah, and I think Paul would be pumped if it was Nicolette's uterus. Yeah. That's the vibe I get. So they start cooking and eating and then they're drinking and they start on, like, the tequila and they're having cocktails and they're doing shots and, like, to be honest, like I wouldn't have been surprised if they had a couple of pingers. Oh, it, I, there were some vibes. There were some vibes. And it wasn't just any tequila. It was, like, her mum and Dr. Carl's tequila that they were stashing out in the dugout. Which must have been from Aldi. Oh, yes, yes, Bargain Basement Tequila. Mm. What's Carl saving that tequila for, I want to know. I don't know because I can you imagine, like, Carl and Susan doing shots, like, you know, with the, like, lemon and salt and stuff? Like, how weird would that be? I'd be, actually be there for it. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd expect a certain box to be in the background. Oh. That. And then a real standout scene for me for 2020. The phone rings. Paul goes, ah, oh, here we go. That was a quick decision. Answers it thinking it's going to be Nicolette saying, yep, where do we sign? And it is David and Aaron reading Paul the right act with Nicolette on the line as their hype girl and they are sloshed. I love a prompt response to my proposal. It usually means that we have a deal. No deal, Dad. <laughs> Seriously? You're bribing our housemates to try and organise an illegal surrogacy. Do you ever learn bribe come on i think nicolette might have the wrong end of the stick here mate i've only got the one end of the stick that you offered me paulie <laughs> yeah you hear that paulie are you not drunk no well i can't say i blame them i have never seen paul owned like that yet yeah. i could never quite figure out how anyone could stand up to paul when he's being like an arrogant asshole it turns out you just got to get on the terps, get on the beers and you can say whatever you want your Teflon to Paul. And also you must, everyone from now must use the word poorly. Paulie. Paulie. Mm. N- Nicola is quite, she's been a real prickly pair. Hmm. You know, she's sasses her boss left, right and centre with Pierce and she just keeps prodding him like, oh, well, uh, you kicked me out but now I'm living next door, whatever. Sucks to be you. <laughs> I'm just kind of rolling with her spirit. Like, she's a good-time girl and she makes me enjoy myself when she's having a party. So the party progresses. The Paul phone call is like a real bonding moment between the three of them because together they they own Paul and Nicolette does most of the owning. But Dave and Erin are pumped with her from that point on. The the other great thing is Therese overhears the whole thing. Like, are uh, you offered to do what? I don't understand why Therese is still surprised. <laughs> You know, some relationships you're like, oh, I just nothing surprises me anymore about him. But this just keeps her guessing every day. It's very weird. Like she comes in and I I did almost catch her rolling her eyes. Like she walks in, she goes, what are you doing? And he's like, I was trying to do the right thing. And she's like. And I love that this is literally something Millsy's mum as the villain of the week was going to do a couple of months ago. Like, oh, you want a baby? I'll buy you a baby. No big deal. And it was a baby for the same couple, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gosh. And it was everyone was outraged. So uh, Aaron, in a moment of genius, goes into his bedroom, opens up wherever their blue box is and gets out some of his dance wear. Yeah, the um the rough trade artifacts. Lovely. And he puts on those tiny little shorts, <laughs> and Nicolette wears his cow cowboy outfit, and David is in the angel wings that one of them proposed to the other in. Oh, I completely missed that. It was the, the the pretend proposal before the real one, I think. This little montage, it was to music. It was like a fever dream and it did seem like they were on the pingers. It was just a montage of, yeah, there was dance moves, there was um making it rain with the slippers in um, Carl and Jane's stash. I, do, I love the extreme detail of the hoarding stuff entering into this scene. And entering into the narrative, I watched that scene on a loop for quite a while. I was mesmerized by it, <laughs> and it's some of the best performances I've seen from those two, David and Aaron. It just they were, they were reckless and they were carefree and they were having the time of their lives. And I want more of this. It was fantastic, but all good things come to an end. And those two definitely felt their age with that hangover, oh. did they not? <sighs> Pitch perfect with Nicolette springing off to work the next day with, like, (laughs) just a smoothie and off she goes. Yeah, she probably, like, she's a nurse though. She probably gave herself, like, an oxygen mask when she got in and, like, just quickly took some vitamin B and she's right to go. And a burger. She had a breakfast burger. Oh, yeah. I mean, iron, fat. (laughs) It's perfect. Please describe to me the tableau of those two on the couch. So they are sitting on the couch in matching pyjama kimono outfits david i think is asleep aaron wakes up the, the the house is an absolute mess which is obviously it's not usually a mess but also it's not like either of them are mark so calm down nah. and although aaron's COVID beard which has coming into its own mm. makes him look a lot like his older brother it does which is weird right because mm. they're not really related no <laughs> it really worked for it really made sense to me yeah i mean he's they're both the same level of attractive aren't they (laughs) they they live in that's that's how they're related their genes are both very attractive (laughs) um and they both got that beautiful skin tone all of the brennans really do don't they so the thing that i love most about their hangover is that no one on the street will just let them enjoy their hangover (laughs) Yeah, Carl comes barreling into the house the next day because he's seen them on social media. He's seen his slippers in the back pool. He knows that A, they have been up all night partying, B, they didn't invite Carl, C, they have been misusing his very important hordes. And he keeps calling it stock, our stock, yeah. which I love. Like it's your shit from Not Quite Right. <laughs> exactly, and he just like – He, for some reason, thinks it's appropriate to have a go at these guys who he's leaving all his crap at their house. Yeah. And he keeps saying, you're getting 10%. They might like to use their beer shed. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's Nicolette's other genius touch is that she's like, uh, what are they going to do? Like, we can just go and drink their tequila and they can't do anything about it. No. And Jane also pops around just to have a go at them. But they say to Jane, look, we've got other things on. And she, in a moment beauty and just pitch perfect jane says oh yeah what (laughs) you don't mess with a teacher no an english teacher yeah a gp and an english teacher no (laughs) yeah a good one because like you can mess with ellie and just never get anywhere oh imagine if ellie still lived there because she's bi. Imagine if she's following this, the social media of these guys and she's like, why did they not have any cool parties like this when I was living there? Oh, man. There's actually, there was a mention on the council in the, um, what would the podcasts of the host be called? <gasps> That's my favourite thread, actually. That's a really fun thread. It's really fun. And um, one of them said Daily Baby with Ali. Yes. And I... I feel that was the joke of my year when I commented on that and said, "I think it might be called fortnightly, baby." <laughs> Cause sh- let's let's be honest. Ellie's uh, <laughs> not going to record. I like it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, glorious. So, I mean, I could deep dive on this party forever. This rave, it's a damn fine time. The other thing that comes up is that Aaron really is not keen on Pierce. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he's like, "Stuff, Pierce. I like you, Nicolette, and I want you to stay around." Yeah, and my sister likes being mates with you, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pierce is getting even more inappropriate as time goes on. <laughs> Kate and you talked about how he's he's quite aggressive and controlling, and that has not got mm-hmm. better this week. Yes, let's talk about. Okay, I'll talk about him his involvement in another storyline, mm-hmm. but but we mustn't. Move on before we acknowledge what happened next when Jane smuggles Carl into the Brannackers, mm. creates a diversion. Let's do a stock take in the shed. And while she's out, Carl burrows up into the roof space. Which, now, I feel like we're missing Kate in this moment because Jane used to live there. Is that the deal? Oh, we're getting oh, – oh, I don't know where she used to live. Let's message her. Let's yeah, message okay. her. <laughs> She'll know. She'll know. So Jane – Takes them out the back. That's the conversation in which she said, "You don't. You've got heaps of free time. Just give it to me." Um, and she <laughs> takes them out the back. And I can tell you what: if I had a hangover, there's nothing more than I would like the local English teacher to come over and do a stop taking my shed with me. <laughs> oh, oh boy! And um, Carl sneaks in, and we don't. We, we don't know exactly what happens, but later on in the week, or no, that day even, I think. Aaron and David are sitting on their couch still because this these guys have got the hangover that never ends. Yeah. They're waiting for their pizza delivery. Yeah, something like that. Uber Eats. Um, and the roof comes out and all of this crap that Carl and Jane got is in the roof and it comes straight down. What a stunning shot of their faces looking up and the debris coming down. And you could just picture Carl shimmying up their Mission Impossible style to drop off the goods. I mean, how did he even find, like, the, the, the hole in the roof to, like, do that? Like, mine's in the laundry and there's so many dirty clothes on the floor. Like, how would anyone know? <laughs> so everything smashed through their ceiling. And they were both really proud of themselves too. They were like, oh, I can't believe we've got all that heavy stuff up there in the crawl space. Um. Oh, hey, hey old mates, come back. Mm, it, she grew up there. Yeah, Kate just told us that Jane grew up in the Brunacca house. So Jane must have basically drew a map. Jane is Kate. That's the, that's the situation. <laughs> she drew a map and Carl has followed it. That's how we yeah. knew where everything was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, she's given us more information, as Kate is wanted to do, which was Mrs Mangles, although we never see the front room, which was the main set. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we also get, because in the meantime, Susan is still – pissed off with them for the way they've been conducting themselves and the way Jane's been encouraging Carl's thriftiness. Mm. And he's like, excuse me, I'm, like, planning for our retirement here. Like, we've paid off our mortgage and it's all because I buy no-name brand (laughs) non-perishables. I think it's got more to do with your really rich sister, Carl. And the fact that you're a doctor and they get paid well. Yeah, and she's a principal. Like, it's not like they would ever have been scrounging for money. She had the classic corker of a line early in the week when he said, you know, she was trying to find the tea strainer and he said, well, you know, I was going to buy you a spare tea strainer and then she said, I'll strain you in a minute. Classic. <laughs> what a classic. <laughs> Kate's now giving us many additional <laughs> facts about, <laughs> about sets and houses. We should share them. She's gone to the effort. Yeah, we should they used that set for Mrs. Punt's house, which was confusing. Remember how when she came back for the first time, she was searching the house on the sly? Right. Why was she? I don't remember that, Kate. Oh, no, yeah, I do. She was finding the medallion? Oh, something. I mean, I feel like that was a storyline written, like, for Kate and, and people like Kate <laughs> 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 that know these facts about things. The ins and outs. Okay, so then David and Aaron come barreling over to the Ken and – we're like, uh, hi, we'd like you to pay for the damages to our ceiling. Well, Susan orders them to pay the damages. Yeah, I mean, they should anyway. They don't need Susan to order them, but also Susan's like, well, you saved 45 cents on shopping and now you're going to have to pay, like, let's face it, it's probably going to be $10,000. Yeah, it's quite a journey that Carl's going to have to go on to pay that. Wow. And he's going to get, um, maybe. <laughs> He'll get Kyle to do it. Yeah, exactly. And Kyle can have lots of long conversations about the way he did it to somebody. Yeah. And like the, the corners, Kyle's trying to cut and Kyle's like, no, that's the quote. This is what we're doing it for. Um, I thought I was going off the bargain hunting storyline and then I got right back on it. Like it, I thought they were going to lose me for a minute and then the minute that they were poking around the roof and the dugout, I was like, I'm back, guys, I'm back. I think it might be over now though. Yeah. No, I think it was a good, healthy run. Yeah, I look, I was there for it because it was a ceramic pig that was very timely, and very much threaded through other people's storylines. And it just worked in regard to COVID and them, um, filming in hubs and stuff like that. It just was yeah. perfect for that. So because yeah. you're getting combinations of people that you wouldn't normally see together, Jane and Darren, great, good times. Yeah. The only thing I need more of is um, Hendrix with older ladies on the street. (laughs) (laughs) Very special relationships. Oh, beautiful kid. Okay, Pierce got my goat because he is now doing the job of day spa manager and reprimanding Rose for her conduct at work. Now, I want to point out that she was pre-shift – Mm. When he first said, hey, so he came up to her on her personal time mm. and said, I want you to contact, what was her name, like Janine or something from the day spa. Like what a a B Janine is. Anyway. <laughs> I think it was Elaine which made me go up a generation too. Mm. Like. Yeah, but like what a B. Like this is a trainee, a woman trying to reinvent herself after a difficult marriage, divorce, separation issue. Like come on be a woman, you know, like represent, be behind her. Don't, what a B. Anyway. Her excuse was valid. It was like he said, why are you spending 55 minutes on a client instead of one hour? She said, oh, because if if they don't pack up, then I'll be late for the next client and then the whole day will run behind. And he's like, this isn't good enough. But also then she goes on her breakfast date. Let's presume it's 8am at this point. And he's angry at her for not completing work in time that was not work time. Like, she works at a day spa. She's not like a brain surgeon, Pierce. She's not like she has to be always on. She's not the premier of Victoria. Calm down. Yeah, She's allowed to. He doesn't pay her for that time. And if she wants to use that personal time to talk about her love life with an 18-year-old, then that's her prerogative. Yeah, very special relationships between 18-year-olds and older people. Yeah, they want to talk about divorce, superannuation, Bargain price hash browns. There's a lot on. These poor kids. They're growing up too early. <laughs> Mackenzie doesn't want to know about your divorce. No. Mackenzie's got bigger issues to worry about. What's happening with Richie and Mackenzie? Are they back on? Ivan? They're back on. They're solid. They're rock solid. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. And when Rose is like, oh, I don't know, Toadie, there's something about Toadie. And Mackenzie's like, if you reckon. <laughs> I actually think that that's exactly Mackenzie slash Harlow attitude, like – the fact, that, the fact that Harlow is at a conference in New York telling hoteliers how to run their business, <laughs> that says everything about these two, right? Yeah. So, interrupting Toadie and Rose's breakfast date is this tall drink of water named James. What a beautiful man. He is a beautiful man. However, it seems to me that he has a domestic abuse situation where he's, his situation is financial abuse. Like, Yeah, he's scum. He's a piece of scum. Yeah. Like we know that he was shady in the divorce world, but it seems like he was, you know, not very attentive as a father for the kids, was always just focusing on the business that he was eventually going to hide from her. But I don't understand how – I understand that divorces get messy, but also this is the mother of your children. Like you don't want to take – the kids away from her entirely for their own good. And, okay, this this all got stitched up extremely swiftly. Mm. Um, I was quite upset, actually. I could have, would have loved a few more weeks of roadie. So they're halfway through their second day and this guy, James, I think his name is, he comes into it and he's like, why is my ex-wife having breakfast with my ex-lawyer? Yeah. He puts those pieces together pretty quick sticks. He does, he does. And I don't blame him because they should probably have waited until the divorce was final to be public about their relationship anyway. I can't believe Toadie, of all the times he could have been almost disbarred, he's going to pick this moment? Yeah, so he says, I'm going to sue you. And I guess, like, he knows Rose and he knows that Rose is not going to throw him under the bus to get the money because I don't think she would do that. Although she has the, the signals definitely at the start when she was saying, like, wouldn't you do anything for your kids? Wouldn't you, you know, so maybe she would. But Toddy doesn't want to throw her under the bus and say, look, she stole your information while she worked for me. He he does mention that, like, she was my employee, so it's my problem. But but the thing is, is that generally if somebody snoops through your office and goes through your personal data, you don't date them after. <laughs> not a, not that week. Ah, give it a month. Give it a few months and go slide into the DM. Mm. So, Pierce comes along to have another go at Rose. He's so aggressive in the second go and he fires her. He's that classic handsome guy that is a dick. Yep. Just can be a dick because he's never had to work for anything. You know what he is? He's become Paul. Yeah. Wait, what? He's Paul. He just walks around and yells at people now. Yeah. I I usually point that out. You usually gloss over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he just, he's getting too involved in small parts of the business. He's, you know, trying to control all these friends or family, family of his wife. He's trying to control his wife. He's trying to control his employee that was living here, taking care of his wife's mother, like everything. He's completely rattled. It it sounds like he's never been rattled before because he just pays his way through things. Yeah, or like, you know, bats his eyelids slash pectorials. Yeah, but then James does a 180 and he's not going to, Throw Toadie in it. So what happens is that Rose talks her way out of the argument with Pierce in a very Rose beautiful, amazing way, but also a bit self-deprecating, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and obviously she's been in this shit relationship with James for so long that she's learned how to do that really well. And James is uh, he's quite taken with this and she looks at him and she's like, I still got it. And then he comes back to Toadie and says, actually, I won't sue you, but you need to get me back together with my wife. I love her. Weird way of showing it. Yeah. Weird way. Again, controlling. Yeah. Another dashing, a conventionally attractive guy who's never struggled controls all the women around him. I wasn't that taken back with the fact that he would behave like that because, I mean, it, we've the whole time we've known of James, he's been a shitbag. But I can't believe that Toadie just says, okay, and then Toadie arranges them to, like, have a meeting of some description He says, oh, I've seen irreconcilable differences and this isn't it. And I'm like, no, Toadie, this is financial abuse. This is way worse. (laughs) This is way worse. And, yeah, so I thought that was weird. And they get back together and I really felt like Toadie did that to get out of being sued. Yeah. And there goes that sweet little cutesy crush, gone. Yeah. I mean, we did need a couple of crushes before the real one, though, didn't we? Oh, okay, I guess before Kelly Katzis comes back, my big dream for him. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> so we say goodbye to Lucy Durack. We say goodbye, goodbye to James. We barely knew you, half a day. So that was just a blip on the the old Rebecca Law radar in the end. And I guess he, they're going to go and enjoy his offshore accounts and just laugh all the way to the bank together. Well, she kind of, when they get back together, she's sort of like, oh, I'm not angry at you. I just want my family back. And to be honest, it just felt like she was like, look, I don't even care anymore. I just want to see my kids. And I just don't want to be alone. Yeah, it's, I, it was super sad. <sighs> well, anyway, I'm ready for the um, Channel 10 spin off drama, like Offspring style. Remarried. Oh, speaking of Offspring, how, how many days has it got to be before we have the lovely um, new Pierce joining us? Oh, Don Harney, I think it's going to be a couple of months away because he's only just got announced. I, but this terrible controlling Pierce, I don't really want that actor doing it because he's so wonderful. Um, So I'd rather – I prefer to like Pierce when he comes. And we will talk about on Patreon the dinner party of awkwardness. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> that Pierce just lets happen Um, because this week there's a fallout, continued fallout after their little – Trist hotel hotel suite make out and we will resume that discussion on Patreon. So finally, uh, one more pressing plot matter. There was a hard launch CJ this week of Ned Willis's art show. Yeah, and this has been an ongoing storyline about Ned and his art show for what feels like seven months. <laughs> <laughs> Considering he just thought of it, it has been with us for an age. It feels a lot like Puffy's piss engine. It's a, it's a quest of a character that I just don't care about. I care about it. I'm here for it. Of course you are. But <laughs> I um, was a little confused about the exhibit. So where do you think they were? I mean, other than the bowels of the Wadding Studios, I don't understand. So he's hired this space. It's a display space. But I think the backpackers would have been, well, the Hive would have been a great location for those portraits. I don't know why he had to shell out for some chain link fences and bricks to put his paintings against. Well, he's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And we've mentioned it before. Where the hell did that catering budget go? It's, I mean, there was alcohol. There was definitely alcohol, which um, I guess you have to buy alcohol for people to give a crap about portraits of people that they don't know. I mean, I did not see a rice paper roll. I did not see a slider. Yeah. I did not see, you know, a miniature box of noodles. Yeah, like in those cute boxes or a pig in a blanket. No pigs in a blanket. Mm. Nothing. Not a ceramic pig in a blanket. (laughs) And the portraits were pretty. Mm. It was lovely. But I've seen. More adventurous stuff at like a year 12 top arts exhibit. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, my son goes to preschool and they knock out some pretty good stuff (laughs) down there at the uh, preschool. Let's talk about the portrait of Paul. Paul had some feelings. Yeah. Paul obviously thinks pretty highly of himself and who can blame him, but he sees a fairly realistic portrait of him in his standard look with his one eyebrow up and um, fondling his ring. Yeah. And smirking. And smirking. It actually, the, the eyebrow made, reminded me of Maine Wyatt's self portrait. It was impeccably well timed, that eyebrow portrait, yeah. <laughs> um, and how would the writers know that? Like, they, <laughs> they just wouldn't. Um, and the art department probably made all of these portraits, which was probably super fun for them. Yeah. But maybe that's what they did for their work from home time. <laughs> so, Paul has been after this portrait for a week. He's wanted to see this because Paul likes to approve things that go out in the public. Oh, I don't blame him. And who comes across this? Therese comes across it when they're, when they're, because um, Therese and Paul and Roxy come down to help him unpack. Gorgeous. Um, which I actually really love because, like, that's what should happen. Like, your family member. That's what family yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. And um, so Paul sees it and he's like, What are you talking about? And Yashvi tries to have a conversation. She's like, Oh, no, it wasn't Yashvi, it was B. She was like, "Oh no, it's a very amazing one. It's the most interesting work here." And then she just sort of says, "I gotta go by," <laughs> and runs off. By the By the way, did you see the one of B? Yo, oh, gorgeous. Yeah, I reckon he's still got a bit of a flame for B. Yeah, I would be. I wouldn't be worried about the Scarborough Spoiler alert: one. I'd be worried about the B one. Yeah, that was her eyes were staring straight down the soul. <laughs> yeah, he may as well have put devil horns on Paul. But what we saw was a quite a apt likeness, like quite an accurate likeness of the guy. It didn't seem offensive, but I loved the way that Ned talked his way out of it. So he says, "Look, I was I was looking at your grandmother's art and the way that she captured things, and I think I wanted to capture the real man. You're the you're the strength, you're the power, you're you know you know who you are." And and Paul was like, "Oh, please do go on, perfect." So there was other portraits of people, like there was one of Harold. Imagine if you were just an art an art enthusiast and you walk up to this gallery and there's Lou Carpenter's mug staring you down. What? I mean, why? <laughs> why, would, why would Ned do this? I understand him drawing his grandfather. It's celebrating Ramsey Street. I don't know. I don't know. You know what? If I knew anyone that lived on Ramsey Street, how bloody weird would it be how obsessed with their street they are? Yeah. Like, I don't know if any of the people that I'm about to talk about listen to this podcast, but I knew this friend who lived in Brunswick and she developed a group of friends and they called themselves the Funswickians. It was the most excruciating conversation to be in at any time. They called themselves the Funswickians? They did. They did. Oh, I hate them. (laughs) Yeah. And any time I would go and see her, I'd be like, I don't want to talk about your suburb. (laughs) It's weird. So it seems like a massive waste of money and resources to make an art show about people that lived on your street, doesn't it? Yeah. And it was, it didn't feel like an exhibition. Like it felt like, okay, he did some nice paintings. Cool. Put them on Facebook and sell them. (laughs) And they're not like – there's no – there's a couple that are super interesting, the Scarborough one, obviously, Mm -hmm. and um, the B one. But a lot of them are, as Kate mentioned, just copies of photographs. So there's this – he keeps the Yashvi portrait uh, shielded because he wants to unveil it as his entry for the Archibald Prize or whatever they're calling it. Oh, they're calling it something else, but also how ridiculous. (laughs) Nobody enters their girlfriend, and if they do, they don't win. And they've got to do something interesting with it. You can't, you don't know, just copy it. Like, you know who could win doing that? Asha Keddie's husband. Why? Because v- oh, he's a portrait painter, and she is amazing and interesting, whereas <laughs> she is the local police cadet. Unless he makes a statement about defunding the police. Yeah, but, I mean, that wouldn't go down well, would it? <laughs> no, he wants to impress his girlfriend. They have this unveiling. And the art critic they cast was Primo, mm. loved him, loved everything about him. So he's from the prize. So somehow he's heard about this and the only way I can assume that he would come to Ned Billis' show is that there's only one gallery in his five-kilometre radius <laughs> and so he's forced to go to a show at this <laughs> this warehouse every night. The sheet comes down and, of course, it's not Yashvi's portrait. Of course. Scarborough's done the old switcheroo and there is the mangled painting of Scarlett brady that she slashed up last week and art attacked and he, she's taped it back together and put it up on display to yashvi's horror and the art critic ate it up he loved it and so he loved it but i must say like it's probably the best art piece there right well it was, it was doing something different with the form yeah it was experimenting with the materials they're just, the other ones are really pedestrian. Some um, gaffer tape on canvas. Mm, lovely. So Scarlett comes in and she's got a monologue prepared. <laughs> and, she, and, and I know, uh, being a, a, a girl that leans into crazy a little bit, I know she practiced that in the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. She, she's driven everywhere for a week with this speech, don't you reckon? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, this isn't right. This I sh- knew you couldn't resist showing it. You've been harassing me for weeks. Hounding me with your sick, twisted obsession. But this ends today. So let's not forget that scarbar has been going to the police and um, saying that Ned is following her. She's, she's persisted at that all week. And the police are like, here's another woman full of hot air talking about a guy abusing her. Yeah. What are they going to come up with Next. And I really, I didn't have, not that I didn't have a problem with it the first time that they did this with the storyline, but this time it felt really, it it was much worse, I feel, because Mm. it was boys' club, as in Levi just spoke to his mate and he said, no, mate, I'm not not doing it. Yeah, like he might as well have gone, yeah, this bitch is lying, you know. Yeah, well, he did. He just didn't say bitch because it was 6.30. (laughs) (laughs) And so they kind of aren't pursuing it at all and I feel like, an AVO, you don't go to the police to get. You just go to the court. So Scarlett reveals that she's about to threaten to reveal that there's more going on with Ned. And I thought that the sheet would come down and we would see the bum cake portrait. <gasps> I thought she would have gone down to Officeworks, printed out the photo, popped it up on some canvas and Bob's your uncle. You know why she didn't? She mm. went down to Officeworks but they've got like a 10-day turnaround, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so that that's probably coming next week. <laughs> She's like, I know the exhibit's over, but guys, come come around. I've got something else to show you. <laughs> Can you imagine? I actually would have loved that so much if he'd done that. That would have been like if he'd unveiled, because he said, like, <laughs> before he unveiled it, he's talked about how she's amazing and she's the muse and, yeah. and this and then he unveils and Scarborough. I imagine if it was just his bum with bits of cake <laughs> stuck to He's he's talking about the cake like it's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> the vanilla sponge, she really spoke to me. <laughs> So the end, the week ends with a hot pursuit, cash chase. Like Ned runs off after Scarlett, and they're both in fast cars chasing each other down the street. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen—it's sort of a gaslight situation—is that we're meant to start assuming we, as in the audience and Yashvi, are meant to start questioning Ned and whether he is following her, and he- which is exactly what we were meant to assume with ellie like she was gonna go and kill milsey mm, mm. it's not very different yeah so we end the week and he's driven off now firstly scarborough is in a beautiful german car what on earth is he driving i didn't know he had a car what did he's th- probably got um one of the lassiter's branded vehicles i didn't even know he had his license <laughs> oh maybe he's got that audi that paul used to drive i worry i worry that she's not going to make it out of this alive and i've I, I weep for the life that she's had, if, if that's the case. Justice for Scarborough, I've got to say. Well oh, you're right. She wasn't in the coming next week, was she? Mm. That's grim. Disappointed in that art show. I, I expected more. I'm like, why did you have to rush that? Not, no. Like no one was tapping their wrist asking where the hell's my portrait of Carl and Susan. You know what? Could you imagine if you got through all the COVID and you thought, I'm going to have an art show and all these people, they haven't been out for months <laughs> and that, that's all they got? They didn't even get bloody canapes, mini bruschetta or anything. Oh, gosh. I'm going to just go right in and say, citizen Ned Willis. Really? You pissed away your budget. Yeah, he did. And he did. why didn't you check your portrait before you unveiled it? I'm going to say the same thing that I said to you earlier, he's an idiot. He's an idiot disguised as a non-idiot. I mean, Ben Hall's lovely. I fall for it every time. I am going to go with Citizen for Yashvi for my favourite thing that she has said. When she called Levi Captain Keto. <laughs> so she, her excuse for not buying her, you know, her workmate a coffee at the start of the shift is that she never knows what he can and can't have, which happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed it. Although I'm like, get with the program. He has butter coffee and just buy him that. I've changed my mind. I'm walking back my citizen. oh, Ned doesn't deserve shitizen. There is only room. For citizen, and I'm going to call it a three-way citizen, the residents of the Brunaca house, Nicolette, David, Aaron, for the most extraordinary fun you can have with three people in a lockdown house Mm. on a weeknight. Yeah. And also there's another two residents of that house and one of them's the shorts and the other one is the uh, cowboy outfit and (laughs) it was all perfect. Brought us so much joy in the darkness of pandemic life. Yeah, it's exactly what we needed. So I hope it was exactly what our pals overseas need when they do get to watch it in three weeks. Yes. I'm loving a lot of the reactions to like the gifts and the steals. Everyone's like, what is happening and why can't we see it for three weeks? Yeah, it's very annoying. So I'm going back to work next week. (gasps) Even though I've got a four-month-old, what is my life? I do not understand. So I might not be tweeting as much about Neighbours or I might – Tweet it all at once, like at four AM or something. But um, pray for me, pray for me, friends. You can do it. Yeah, thank you. But uh, keep an eye on keep an eye on me on the socials. Vase V A Y S on Instagram, Patreon. I'll probably do some lens videos for the new patrons. Thank you for coming back on board. We'll keep you, keep you posted on our plans for Neighbours Night. Mm. Facebook.com slash Neighbours Pod and join the Neighbours Council. Join that thread about what people's podcasts would be called if they were podcasting out of the hive. Top notch. CJ. CJ, the hot mess mum on Instagram and TikTok. And thank you so much for all the patrons. We really appreciate it. And it's um, going to be super exciting to do another event. Yes. And I just, you know, we can put a lot of time and effort in to make sure that everyone can, you know, call into to sit to work that day (laughs) and and come along to our event and um you know just shout out like send us like if you if you want something to be at the event send us you know a dm slide into our dms yeah there's another thread on the neighbor's council about what people enjoyed about the neighbor's night so if you think about how we could replicate something digitally give us a suggestion exactly and join up as a patron because they will get as bea mentioned she is a bleeding heart and all the patrons will have free entry plus trimmings extra scenes Yeah, which is an awesome name. I wasn't on the pod last week and um, I really had a laugh at that. Well done. Good name. Thank you. Thank you. Still got it. Like Toadie. Still got it. Dust that shoulder. See you next week, guys. Bye. 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 I can